and welcome to Writing About Dragons and Shit, a podcast where two authors and a writer get together and talk about the ways that we tell stories. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, your resident writer and podcaster from such shows as Difficulty Class and Champions of Lore, and with me each week are two amazing people, one of which who is dancing right now, and those people are... It was Aaron. she's dropping it low. <laughs> <laughs> Complete with the option of bring it up slow, it's impressive. <laughs> Oh, hi, I'm Erin M. Evans. I am a fantasy writer. I'm best known for the Brimstone Angels saga. Um, is that, I, think, so I host Champions of Lore with these two guys. <laughs> yeah! Who's that uh, other person off in the distance it, there? B. Dave Walter! <laughs> um, I say words about things. Uh, you can find me wherever fine streaming content can be located. I'm the author of Dungeons and Dragons, A Dark and Wish, the comic book series, Electropunk, the graphic novel, a number of screenplays for television and film. Ooh, yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, and this week we're talking about inspiration and kind of like the different forms that there is. Because I, you know, originally we I had said like movies, TVs, and books and stuff. But I realized like there could be music and crap in there too. Um, podcasts, yeah, podcasts. So, you know, who knows? Ambush, total ambush. We were talking right before we went live, mm-hmm. and for those people that work with me know that one of the things that whenever we're about to go live and people start saying interesting things, I'm always like. You're leaving gold on the floor. And one of the things that Aaron had mentioned is liking writing at the Starbucks and public places and things like that. Yes. I I thought I liked that. Oh, but I, I get it. I get nothing done. I hate it. Oh, wow. I get nothing done. No, I th- I, I think yeah. I want it. I think no, I'm yeah. going to the coffee shop to write. I'm not though. Mm-hmm. I like the pressure. This is I I am definitely somebody who responds um better to the stick than the carrot. So having a deadline where I've been mm. paid in advance, I get a lot done. Um, yeah. But for example, um, and so when I go to the coffee shop, the knowledge that I'm obviously working on a book, and if I'm not typing, if I'm dicking around, everybody in this coffee shop <laughs> might know and be judging me. It gets me get stuff done. Also, I love a latte. Well, you know, I'm I mean, here. There. Love it a latte. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm here in LA, and the cliche of everybody working on a screenplay at the coffee shop is a thousand percent yeah. true. It is a th- five thousand percent true. I constantly think of that family guy scene. They're just like, hey, are you writing? Yeah, so am I. Hey, will you watch me write? I'll watch you write. <laughs> <laughs> That's really how it goes down, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. No, me, I'm, I'm late night. Um, Usually not music, but TV in the background, but TV in the background of something I've seen. Because mm. I need the mm. noise, but mm. it can't be something new. Like, it can't be something that I'm like, wait, what happened? Right. You know, that, no. <laughs> I, I have to already know who, yeah. you know, the, who killed Colonel Mustard. But uh, yeah. And See, then, that's, that's and then wild I to me because I, I, can't, I can't do anything that has talking. Like, if I'm listening to music, it cannot have lyrics in it. I can't have the TV on with people talking because I will literally start writing what they're saying. <laughs> like, wow. I just, I go from fantasy writer to stenographer real fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, you know, we're, we're talking about inspiration and it's funny that, you know, it, it's, it's every writer's a good reader. That is true. However, mm-hmm. when I'm in the middle of writing something, I can't read anything else because I will start to unconsciously steal it. Hmm. Yeah. Like 
like right right around the time you know i read like a borg not star trek novel and uh because you know shatner did that borg romulan crossover novel and then mysteriously all of my adversaries were like undead reanimated construct things. <laughs> <laughs> then i'm like this is brilliant and never been done you know like i i yeah. yeah, we 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 talked we talked a little bit about that in the 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 writers block one, but yeah, it's like I I I, I get that because it's mm-hmm. that fear of like I'm going to get hyper focused on this thing, mm-hmm. and it's gonna sneak its way into my fantasy like urban fantasy book, well, and 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 that is that is a challenge I've got because again, Aaron, I have like struggles and stuff. <laughs> it, I I my ideas arrive. If not fully functioned, ninety percent functioned. I mean, I mean formed, ninety percent formed. You know what I mean? Well, it, it, it like really is like a baby. Like a baby's yeah. born, and like it's still a baby. It's got to learn some stuff, but it's got all the important bits. Like when it arrives, <laughs> you know, and, that, and that's how it is. And so when something comes up, and then I have to do not that, mm-hmm. not that mm. is difficult. Mm. When I when I've committed to lasagna, and somebody's like, "What about spaghetti?" I'm like, mm. But I'm yep. thinking lasagna, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's that that is a difficult shift for me, which, mm-hmm. you know, when when you're writing anything collaborative, which anything professional is because you got editors and stuff and yep. other stakeholders getting those notes back. And it's incredibly difficult for me if I don't respect you or think you know what you're doing, <laughs> but I have to listen to you. That's the worst. When they're like, what about spaghetti? And I'm like, but sp- spaghetti is awful. <laughs> you're like, Fine. we had spaghetti did like three weeks ago. Did you ago, not want this to come in a casserole dish? Because that seems like a requirement. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I, I think... Again, it wouldn't be me if we didn't go off on tangents, but I'm going to tell you one of my one of my horror stories. This is one of the worst things that ever happened to me in Hollywood, which is, you know, that's a bold statement, but it's true. <laughs> uh, I'm going to change the names of the people that screwed it up, but I'm going to keep the names of the important people. Okay. So uh, do you guys know who Rolf Mueller is? Not even a little bit. No. In Gladiator, do you remember the huge Germanic Gladiator? The the one that like made a point to uh to eat Maximus's food and then yeah, pretend yeah, yeah. to be choking and dying mm-hmm. as a gag. Yeah. That guy's name's Rolf Mueller. He was a he was a Olympia competitor around the time Schwarzenegger was. Um, he never won because he's gigantic. He's like my size, but he's like the tallest professional bodybuilder in history. So he apparently had gone to rehab with Mario Kazar. Mario Kazar, who created the Terminator franchise and a bunch of other household names. So Mario Kazar was like. This guy saved my life. Uh, I owe my buddy because, you know, he's gotten into movies, but he's never crossed over. I want to do something for him that, you know, is going to make him a star. And tapped some guys I know to 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 produce this movie, right? You know, like, like, bring me something expressly for my friend. He was already like 50. He's like, he's does, he kind of unintelligent. Think Terminator, you know, because it's him, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, the only two things, no aliens, no Vikings. That's it. Those are my only requirements. You can do literally anything else. So they come to me, and I'm like, cool. Hercules after the labors. He's already done all the things yeah. we know. He's mm. retired to some mountain town. He's got PTSD and nightmares and has to take up the club one last time to save this village. Boom. Done. There Love it is. It. They were like, nah, you know. Hercules has been done. This was right after Disney, and it's been like eight Hercules movies since then, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. we don't own Hercules. We want to do 
an alien invasion of a Viking village. Are you kidding? But you just said. <laughs> and, I, and, and I was like, hey, but didn't he say not that? And he's like, well, but it doesn't interest me to make anything else. Literally went, oh took it to him. God. He cursed them out and threw them out of his office for wasting his effing time. And then when they came back and told me all this, I was like, but did you at least pitch the old Hercules story? No. Uh, cool, 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 cool. Great, cool, cool. great, yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah, that wounded me in my feelings for a long time. <laughs> I get that. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, that sucks. So that's so, reverse inspiration. That was yeah, no. Sp- <laughs> well, <laughs> so you know what? It's the inspiring part. You bounce back. You wrote well, with a lot of other cool things. Yeah. But, yes, but hang on. But also, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna weave it back in. Oh, okay, contrary okay. to popular opinion, I do weave a lot of the tangents back in. We you we, do. we we go out on a thread. We hook it back. <laughs> we hook it back. Um, I was tasked with. Here's this dude. Do something dope about this guy. We, there's these parameters. This man with these capabilities. Do something cool. Which mm-hmm. is why I made it a Hercules story because he's a big, strong guy. I made it after the labors because he was an older guy. Yeah. You know? And and yeah, that, that, that was that. So it is a tale of woe, but a relevant tale of woe. <laughs> <laughs> um. So so you, you were saying like, you know, you have the 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 idea babies, and I feel like we, we everybody kind of knows what that is because that first inciting thought that's like, oh, boom, okay, that's something there. Where do you both kind of normally find those? Like, is it so, just daydreaming? Or I will tell the truth, I don't have idea babies. <gasps> um, do you know? Okay, no, you know, in Labyrinth, when she ends up in the like the the um the the trash pile with all the little yeah. they're like this is what it is it's more like i take a part of idea to put a part of idea part of part of idea let me just like idea like so you make like an idea there. robot yeah. uh that seems generous upgrade <laughs> in progress <laughs> that seems generous it's um yeah it's one of those things where i i envy people who come up with like one tight focused idea I find that what I come up with are things that are the beginning of something that doesn't interest me quite enough. But if I stick, the, if I do the chocolate and the peanut butter, I start to get more interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is something I think part of it too, is that I tend to pull pieces. Like I want the tone of this. I want um, this sort of thing makes me think of this magic system. Um, the, uh, you know, like uh, the book. So the book that I most recently finished that is um, currently out on sub. There's sort of three main things that <sighs> made me put this together. <laughs> oh my gosh, guys, cross your fingers for me so hard. Um, Doing it. <laughs> we, so we all did it, by the way. You can't see us, but we all did it. Yeah, um, it was like at the exact same time. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this has a, like a it's like a tiny partial spoiler, but I think it's it's kind of worth pulling out. So there are three main things. One is that I uh, listened to this history podcast and they talked about this kid, Lambert Simhale, who was uh, held up by Yorkists and said, this is actually uh, the Plantagenet Prince that you all thought was dead. He's still alive. So guess what? We have the real king. Um, that yeah, like the shoulder movement. Like you're like, they literally yeah! like had him on their shoulders and were like, yeah, because he's this little kid. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a king. I'm king of Ireland, I guess. Uh, that didn't go well. That got shut down. This kid. That's the best thing. That's begging to take an arrow when that happens. Right? When you're okay. like, here's the source of all of our power. Be like. Yes. Okay, so that's the thing. Yeah. Here's the story. This all gets shut down. I think Henry VII is the one that shuts it down. It might be in the sixth. I got it mixed up. But it doesn't matter. Because what matters is this kid, he gets a job at the palace. They're basically like, you can work in the kitchen. 
the orphan child. You and we, this wasn't your doing. He grows up, he becomes the king's falconer, right? Like that's fascinating to me because I feel like I'm very prepped by the modern interpretation of the medieval world to say that kid's dead the mm-hmm. moment someone can like get an arrow aimed at him. So yeah. this idea of this pretender that doesn't die, right, that then survives. I really liked that. Um, I was also at the same time thinking, you know, what would be interesting is a magic system that is structured like an anxiety disorder. Um, that basically like the sort of the closer you lean into it, like it makes you more aware. It makes you sort of more alert in some ways to those particular aspects. But the closer you get into it, the more you kind of lose yourself into it. So I created this magic system for people who have a an affinity for worked materials. So you might be able to sort of communicate with bronze. And so you can tell like how much uh, various metals are in it. Like what's the percentage of tin in this? Where might this have come from? You can sort of feel um, one of the characters has an ink affinity. And so she can tell like this is made of grapevine char. It's from, you know, last harvest. And I can feel like, you know, when I'm feeling really close to it, I can I can tell like the different handwritings and the age of the inks and stuff. But if mm. I get too close, I start to go, you know, it'd be amazing if everything was ink. Everything could just be ink because that would make so much more sense. So it's that feeling of like falling into a hole. Um, and then the third thing was I really missed writing nonsense, magical races from D and D. So I was like, what if I just made a bunch of those? Right. Yeah. And so these three things together, right. Are not a plot. They're not an idea, but the three things together informed this idea of like, well, what's a world where you can have this kind of magic system and these kinds of people and also this story about this pretender and how do I fit all this together? And also, you know what I really like? I like mystery novels and I haven't written a a pure (laughs) mystery. So this is a fantasy mystery novel that involves all of these things. And to me, like, that's how I work towards an idea is that I steal little bits. I get little sparks and I glue them together into like an idea haystack. Or robot, I, I, if you want to be more functional. Please listen to the robot. <laughs> I do. I do have a, a, a question for that, but I did want to go back a little bit when you were like a magic system based on anxiety and depression, because both B Dave and I had this look like we would be powerful as shit. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's more like it mimics the um, the feeling, yeah, unless yeah, no. like. <laughs> But, but, but then it's I also had that, I had this idea in my head know. of Hagrid being like, you're a wizard, Harry, and him just bursting into tears. Uh, <laughs> so, so many emo kids. They'd be yeah. like, our time, and like every kid that was in the corner drawing in pen and ink on their notebook is like, their time is here. Yeah. yeah. So so the, the, the question I had kind of uh, it, it comes out of like my way of doing it is because like you, you were saying that you kind of build up from, is there like, do you feel like you have an inciting thought that's like, this kind of grandiose thing or is it literally just like i'm starting with this what can i put on top of it um i think it's sort of like there are certain ideas or pieces of things that sort of ring a bell like deep inside me i'm like that i want that um and then i end up kind of gluing them together like what if i did this and this Mm -hmm. um and and then thinking about the kind of person who belongs there and what's their what's their deal like what's the thing that's in their way mm-hmm. and also on top of that like what kind of plot am i interested in doing like okay you know um the book i'm working on right now i had read um jacqueline carey's book starless which involves these like monstrous gods 
And I really liked it, but I was like, if I did this, I would want to do it differently. Like I would, I honestly was like, I would do this more D and want to write big monster fights again. <laughs> um, so I would make it more adversarial. And I also was sitting there going like, what books do I like? You know, I like a lot of weird, like time travel books that aren't pure time travel books. So like, what if you put those two things together? And you know what? I wish there was more of like, like that's interesting. Grown up women who are friends with each other. <laughs> Yeah. Huh. So okay, we have a Hidden Masters Kaiju Road Trip time travel book. Why not? Um, I think it's tricky sometimes to tell when two ideas go together when they're a little high concept. Um, because if you do too many things, they all start to pull against each other. So you have to find things that knit. If you're going to do something like this where you you, you haystack it, right? They got to knit because otherwise you're you're pulling your your readers in all kinds of directions. But uh, but it's possible. I mean, Doctor Who has taught us you can throw some Hail Marys, though. That's yeah. right. You know, yeah. um, <laughs> you, you know, it's uh, well, first, let me tell you all how an easy way to build these things out when, when you don't have it, which are things that we've alluded to in the past. And again, that is the concept of beats. Um, if you haven't read the book, Save the Cat, I recommend everyone read it. It's a book about screenwriting, but it is equally applicable to all sorts of storytelling. And one of the things when you have an idea the lost the lost heir doesn't get killed he gets annexed and grows up in the castle then you just start asking yourself well what else does that require you know mm -hmm. like if, if you're going to have that exact story well what do you need to know well we need to find the lost prince uh we need to establish the who's in charge right now who would want to get rid of the long, lost prince? Who wants to install him into power? You know, are their motives altruistic? Probably not, you know? And it builds out from there out of a web of necessity. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you something I'm going through right now is I'm working on a, uh, a, a television pitch for a police drama. And when they were like, we want to do this, I'm like, cool. Here's a whole bunch of things that would be dope. You know, but you're <laughs> like... Uh, the, the, you know, here here's the world. And if you really want to do it, then this is how you do it. Yeah. And one of the things that I draw very heavily on um, that is just a very good well of inspiration for whatever kind of story you're telling, which, by the way, I'm looking very meaningfully in the camera like you can see me. But I guess it's for Aaron and Trevor. Eye contact. I, I appreciate to, it. I want you to both yes. know I respect you. Trevor, no. Trevor, I'm aware your eyes are up here. OK, I'm I know. Right. <laughs> um, the, the unsolved crimes. Unsolved crimes, reading this like crazy things that really happened in life, mm -hmm. and then being like, "Well, what do it? What? How do you get there? What makes that happen?" Like a uh, uh, From Hell, Alan Moore's graphic novel From Hell that was all about Jack the Ripper and mm -hmm. some of uh, some of the unsolved. Uh, well, I guess they're all unsolved because uh, nobody caught him. Uh, you know, and how do you get there? You know, uh, is always a, a dope thing, a dope thing to do. And as it would not be an episode of this show if I didn't shout out Pixar's Rules of Storytelling, read that list. It is a very, very, very good list <laughs> mm -hmm. of, of, of things. Yeah. But I, it, and also, as I've shared with you in the past, I keep a document of just one sentence descriptions where I'll just have ideas about things. Like one of the things um, that uh, normally I'm not overly precious about ideas because you can't. Ideas are innately meaningless until you execute on them. But I'm not done with this one yet. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, um, I very much had to spend a lot of time being like, if this is true, what does it mean about the world? 
Mm-hmm. You know, like um um like uh something I didn't write, obviously like um um uh, children of men. You know, the whole like people stop having babies, like babies yeah. stop being born. Well, then you're like, okay, well, what does that mean about the world? If because yeah. if that's the premise, what's life now? You know, and that is something that you can that you can take a long way to to flesh something out too. Um, you can always um, you know, just take something that is completely common. And just turn it on its head. Like in the most recent uh, Watchmen show that HBO did, like they didn't have cell phones. I don't know if anybody noticed that particular detail because of just the way society formed around Dr. Manhattan and the early innovations. That's just never a thing that came up. Oh, yeah. Even even in the original Watchmen comic, like if you actually look at all of the little deviations their timeline had Mm -hmm. and how it affected things, it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, like the so so here in both of your processes, it, it's interesting because like oh, the three of us absolutely just have a different thing when it comes to like getting inspired about a story. Because like, I I I understand what B Dave's talking about with the idea baby because but mine is not that formed. Like <laughs> I feel like I pull a chunk of clay out of something. I'm just like, there's something about this one. Okay, hey, okay, this, let's this, see what we could do. The statue sleeps in the marble and you yeah. free it, you know? Yeah, and and, th- and that's kind of how it feels. Like, I, I have an idea of, like, what sort of thing I want it to be. And honestly, my next step usually when I get really into a story idea is I build a music playlist from what I'm feeling from that mm. story of that tone. And mm. then I just listen to that crap, like, everywhere I drive. And I'm constantly <laughs> thinking about it, still focusing on driving. I'm not just... It's true. <laughs> you're I'm like your poor wife. <laughs> I that that's the hard thing, especially like if I'm I'm really into the music at the time, I can't put it on while I'm in the a car with another person because I will straight just stop talking to them and I'm just only thinking about the story. Um, you're on your own. Yeah, and and yeah, so like like that that's kind of like how I, I form it further, but it's also like I I kind of try and find things in that genre that kind of relate to it and see what else people have done mm-hmm. or things that will have that feel, but are of a different genre and see what things I get inspired with from it. Not quite like, just like, I'm just going to pick that. Sometimes I do. You know, there was a, I mean, unfortunately I think we've kind of realized that um, Elon Musk is, um, uh, <laughs> He, there's some question marks next to Elon Musk now, but you yeah. know he he still has one of my favorite quotes that it, it, he meant it in life, but I think it's still true. Is you take two things you're good at, and where those things intersect, that's your niche. You yeah. know, like what like what can you bring to it that no one else can? You know, the, um, and it works well with storytelling also, like with electropunk. Um, we wanted to tell this you know turn of the century story that the the center of piece was Nikola Tesla. But I was like, also, I like fighting monsters and stuff, kind of like what 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 Aaron was saying, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're we're gonna have they're gonna be turn of the century monster hunters, yeah, you know, and 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 have that that be the be the thing, you know. Um, in uh in in a dark and wish was uh, honestly that I, I I so like that idea of the old heroes coming out of retirement, which was originally born with freaking Hercules, yeah. That that's the premise of a darkened wish, you know, mm-hmm. that they've already done it and have gone their separate ways and have to come back and do it again. Um, that is just a, a, a neat thing to me. But yes. it's that the, the streamer Ludwig has something that he calls the yoink and twist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, all he means is you take an, another idea and you put your spin on it, yeah. you know. 
Um, which, which as again, as we've discussed before, that's what makes genre genre. Yeah. Uh, because if you push it too far, it is no longer that genre, you know? So I think you get a little more room to kind of play in the sandbox without out things being so derivative. Mm -hmm. um, I will tell you, I've also got, I'm a big fan of shared universes. I think that's really, I, oh think, my when, God, yeah. I think it's really great. I think it's very fulfilling for the, for the audience when done well, you know, not, not just like shoehorning things in, but I came up with like every story that is living in my mind. Cause I've got like this, this evolving story world since 1997 that I've continued chopping away at. Um, and I found a way that I connected all of them, like stories mm -hmm. across space and time that I was like, Oh, if this is, this is, this is, this is, this is this, because one of the things you have to do back to Aaron's point is your universe has to obey its own internal rules. Mm -hmm. Um, like Bugs Bunny can reach behind his back and pull out a mallet because he's Bugs Bunny. Superman can't do that. Right. If he wrote a Superman comic where Superman pulled out a mallet and bonked somebody, you'd be like, what? <laughs> you know, but Bugs Bunny could probably get away with heat ray vision because that's the rules of that universe yeah. we've all agreed upon. And if you are going to try and connect your stories, uh, you have to make sure that they're all obeying those rules then, you know, because the moment you are like, um, uh, you know, th there's no oxygen on this planet. There was never oxygen on this planet. Yet you have this other story that you're like, it is that planet, unless you tend to have some crazy curveball that you're like, well, here's what happened to the oxygen. You know what I mean? Like you, mm -hmm. you kind of, you've written mm -hmm. yourself into a corner. Yeah. And to bring that back to the topic of <laughs> inspiration, because I'm going somewhere with this, yeah. you know, that's, that's what I think um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done very well. That they incrementally built it up. They, you, you had a very easy in to the world with Iron mm -hmm. Man. And then it just sort of geometrically expanded to the, you know, 27 movie yeah. behemoth <laughs> or whatever it is that, that it is now. <laughs> but that was not done idly and it was not done uh, without care. Because, again, whatever you think of the most recent Star Wars franchise, uh, most recent trilogy, uh, ultimately, I give it a thumbs down. But <laughs> the fact that there was no overarching plan was very yeah. obvious in the yeah. in the trilogy suffered for it which i don't even know how you because i mean aaron could you even imagine if you wrote like the first two brimstone angels books and then let somebody else write a third no. and you never talked about it at all and then you came back and wrote the ending i would not be okay with that you know yeah <laughs> no yeah 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 you can maintain some internal consistency <laughs> okay so when like like we're we're talking about like inspiration and more like I think more concisely sparking of ideas or like things that we want to use for stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I think the question that um I, I I know I've heard a lot of people ask is like it, do you do you know of a way for yourself that you can kind of do that on command? Like you're just like, I know that if I watch or do this certain thing, I could probably spark an idea. It's funny where I'm nodding yes and Aaron's shaking I'm, her head no. My, yeah. my feeling is what you do is um, you consume other media. You watch things, you read things, you listen to things, and you sort of pay attention. I, I, I feel like at this point I've made it very clear that, that my gut reaction is really important to my mm -hmm. writing. Um, and so then I listen to myself and my gut and I say like when that, that little part of me goes, oh, 
like that's important and take that out and sit with it right maybe you keep like i have i also have a file full of story ideas um and things that are like not all the way not all the way cooked right yeah. um that are missing a piece or that i'm not mm-hmm. ready to write or whatever yeah. um but but that sort of thing like so it's not so much like oh i know i go to the place it's like oh i just you know go out and see other things that people have made other stories yeah. um i feel like i pull a, i end up pulling a lot of stuff from history um, mm-hmm. That really appeals to me. So I love history podcasts. Um, so that's a go-to. Uh, I and, and, you know, reading other people's stuff and thinking a lot about, I mean, I think there's a lot of, as a writer, learning to read as a writer and being able to yep. separate out the bits, yeah. right? And I assume it's the same for, if you're going to be a screenwriter, you need to be able to do that with movies or TV and things like that yep. because because it isn't it isn't as though you sit down and a book pops out of your head. Right. Yeah. You have to think about the structure. You have to think about the tone. You have to think about the character arcs. Like there's lots of pieces here. And so being able to read a book and pull those pieces sort of separately and, and understand like, you know, I'm not super drawn to writing science fiction, but boy, if I could get a voice that hit my brain the same way that the Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells hits my brain, that would be awesome. Like I would love to write something that makes that feeling in me happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it isn't so much necessarily like copying the voice exactly yeah. as copying the effect. And Doing it might be twist. copying the voice, right? It yeah. might be like, oh no, I want to sound like that, but I want to do it in, you know, uh, a fantasy world full of elves. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think there's one thing that we have never touched on in any of these voluminous recordings that we've done now <laughs> uh, is the concept of style, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, oh, yeah, like, that's, like, yeah, you know, what, what makes your thing your thing? Yeah. Um, Because I, I, even though I, I personally am capable of crossing genre in, in crossing uh, formats I think there's a through line in something I make that yeah. is pretty detectable, you yeah. know. Um, in in that that's a strength though. So to, you, to out of hmm? curiosity, sorry. Yeah. No. Do, can you pinpoint what it is? Do you know what your voice I mean, is? Your style? I'm like, I'm like um, it's incredible. Um, <laughs> they, like, I, think, I, I just feel like like I there was a long time where I thought. Like, oh, I don't know that I actually have a voice. And I expressed this once to an editor that, like, I don't think my voice is developed. And they're like, are you high? Oh, you are so wrong. I know. And everybody's like, you're an extremely (laughs) voicey writer. You're an extremely voicey writer. But to me, it's like, I'm just writing the words down the way they're supposed to go. So this idea of, like, developing a voice, so much as just keep doing it and it come out. But I don't know what it is. I couldn't tell you when something sounds like me. I can tell tell you my voice in in a weird sentence. It is a structured ADD sentence. <laughs> like it, it, I saw a thing recently that I felt very called out about. It's like ADHD people writing use a lot of commas, a lot of dashes, and it sounds like they're just talking. I was like, listen, you don't need to dissect my writing voice like that, okay? Hey, man, down. It's, it's conversational. It is tool. a conversational tone. Yeah, no, I I, I push the limits of the comma splices, man. Like oh. as, as conversation, because I use them as conversational it's, pauses. I insert it where. Yeah. 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 Listen, listen, yeah. punctuation is a tool. You learn yep. how to use it, and then you learn how to use it how you want to use it. So kind of splice is sometimes extremely necessary. It's just, but I mean, I just get the images of Mr. Scott <laughs> down there. She cannot take much more of this. <laughs> steam, and I'm like, ah! See, and I have um, to look at myself and go like, does this read like Shatner said it? 
<laughs> well, I, I will tell you, and this this is just a general guideline. It, it's most important if you're writing screenplays, but it's still good even when you're yeah. reading novels. Get someone else to read it out loud. Yeah. yeah. And listen to what it sounds like. And if they stumble and get tongue-tied and stuff, like it's written poorly. Yeah. Uh, you know, it should flow out of a person, out of someone else. You can't mm -hmm. do it because you know what you meant. That's I do why, think you can yeah. get away with doing it yourself with a novel because it, you're used to looking at it as words on a page and in your head. And so you will hear the crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you read it out loud, you're like, oh, no, it's in my ear. It's bad. But getting someone else to do it sounds even better. Uh, but you were asking about about my my style. Um, for me, it is usually high concept. You know, I mean, I've 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 written you know some some fairly mundane things, but for the most part, something fairly fantastic is going to happen. Um, I always have uh, almost all the characters are intelligent, and intelligent characters behave intelligently. Like I never have the orcs are bad because they're orcs, mm -hmm. you know, like the orcs have a motivation and the, or in the orcs motivation will make sense to them, you know, and, and you hopefully should understand where they're coming from. Cause that's what I'm always trying to show. Even though I do not tell very morally gray stories. I mean, like I yeah. very objectively have heroes and villains, you know, but there is a rationale to all sides of it that should come through that you're yeah. like, oh, I get it. I know why you're like that, you know, and maybe in that situation, I'd be like that, too, um, is, is something that, that I try to bring to things. Um, so yeah. I, have, I have an inspiration question with that. Yeah. Do you find yourself more inspired by stories that have that kind of structure where it's like where there is like clarity, but also um, mm -hmm. sort of empathetic uh, mm -hmm. quality to it like like i see you have a side however your side is wrong um, yeah. or do you find i find a lot of people get inspired by reading things where they're like i don't like how you did that so i'm gonna oh, do yeah. it for you uh e e you need to say something trying to appeal to everyone is the same thing as appealing to no one mm -hmm. you know as the bible said you were lukewarm and i spit you out you know like <laughs> Like, like they should, I, they should stand for what they stand for, whatever that is. Right. You know? Like, do you read mm. stuff where like the, oh. like, like, for example, you read something, the orcs mm -hmm. are just like, ah, we like to kill things. Right. Are you like, oh my God, you didn't have to do that. And if you did this, I, it would be so much better. Do you find yourself inspired oh, yeah. by things that are crummy? Oh, a hundred. Oh yeah. Like you're bad at this. Let me make it better. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a thousand percent. <laughs> like, like sit down. Let me show you how that should have gone. Um, but, but I'm also, I'm also fairly, fairly forgiving as a, as a consumer of content in yeah. the sense that I'm like, as long as you deliver what I feel I was promised, I'm happy. Mm -hmm. Like I, like I just watched Mortal Kombat last night or oh. if not last night, the night before. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so bad. It's every, like it's so dumb, but it's so good. I loved every second of it. Every yeah. bit of fan service. I just popped like a moron with like fatality. <laughs> fatality. You know? Yes. It, come on. You know what I mean? Like I knew what this was. Like like they 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 advertised a certain bill of goods that I in turn received. <laughs> hey, let, 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 let me let me put yeah. it into words. Let me put it in words for this because uh, I remember going to Comic-Con way back in the day, back when the first Transformers movie came out and I saw a panel with Kevin Smith. Somebody got up to that, that question, Mike, and they're like, Kevin Smith, did you see the new Transformers? And if so, what did you think? And he goes, yes, I saw it. And look, I went into that movie to see shit 
turn into other shit and then fight more shit. And that's what I saw. So I liked it. <laughs> if it's, for me, that's uh, that's how I felt about uh, Van Helsing. Like, I don't have oh, yeah. guilty pleasures because I don't feel guilty about stuff I like. <laughs> but, but people are like, that movie was so bad. I was like, the trailer was Van Helsing fighting monsters. The movie was Van Helsing fighting monsters. Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, that, I, I, I feel like I got three degrees of this, of what you're asking here, because like I totally have the things where like I get so visually angry about them. I'm like, no, let me tell you how this plot should have gone mm-hmm. and why it's in the wrong order or so, stuff like that. And then there's other stuff that I watch that is just there's not plot heavy and I'm mm-hmm. able to actually turn my brain off and just in, enjoy it. And like I, I will even have it where I'm like, oh, I didn't see that coming. They're like, you did it. I'm like, look, I turned my brain went off on this one. Okay, I just enjoyed it. I, I find I rarely have structural criticisms because I realize how many cooks go into anything, oh, especially yeah, yeah. film, and so many editors, and then and, and, you know, it was the director, the producer. Like, there's what what they put in the can and what we finally see can often bear little to no resemblance. So I'm kind of forgiving about that. What I am merciless about is characterization. That's, oh yeah. You know, in in in, in betraying your own characters. Like yeah. and and I won't I'll spare you, but that's you know, that's my the last Jedi rant. That's my Legend of Korra rant. That it's all like when you when you hear me like really nerd rage, it's like that's not who these characters are. The this thing is, you did is not who they are. Yeah. This yeah. is the weirdest one for me. I have one of those about the character Bones from the show Bones. <laughs> and, and my, and my whole them all, but, yeah, go on, go on. My go whole on. thing is, is they present this character who does not understand any kind of interaction with other people or how they relate to each other, but then apparently wrote a book series with and completely believable and engaging characters. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. That doesn't what? <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. super no, sidebar. The, oh, sorry. Oh no, go, go, go. Super sidebar, sidebar to the sidebar. Yep. Sidebar to the sidebar. Um, I have not watched that show because when it came out and I had moved away from home, my mother told me she watched it because she thought Emily Deschanel looked like me and it made her feel less sad. I was like, I can't watch this anymore. Oh I can't God. I can't watch this. It's like it's a it's a because that's the one where she's like a she's like a, a physical anthropologist. She's yeah. Like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so it was like, like and that was yeah. like what my focus in school was, and so I was like, okay, I know I feel weird about this. No, I get that. I, get that. <laughs> I don't know but, if you if you bust out some bangs and wire rim glasses or horn rim glasses. You'll see it. That's you'll her see sister it. though, who I think does actually look like my sister a little. Oh yeah, you're right. That was that is Zoe, 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 Zoe Deschanel. Right. right, right, right. Um, but no, the the third type that I have that is like. Um, if I'm really, really enjoying the story on a structural level and everything, it sucks because I start thinking about how I would do it and, and I almost completely lose focus of what I am, uh, engaging in. Mm -hmm. Like I, I've, I've had it where I'm reading a book. I'm like, I didn't read the last page because I was thinking about how I would do a plot like this (laughs) and, and it, it, I hate when that happens because it just ruins something for me. It's 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 weird. Like when something is formulaic, I don't get upset about it in the sense yeah. that it's like you followed the recipe. Yeah. But when something can follow the recipe and then surprise me still, that's what that's what I really like. You know what I mean? Like again, 
I'm pretty easy to please. And when I'm not pleased, I'm mercilessly displeased. <laughs> like, like it's like, because for the most part, if there's something that I feel like I won't enjoy, I just don't watch it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm like, if the trailer, if the commercial didn't do it for me, then I'm like, let me save both of us some time. Uh, but if I'm like, I expected a, that is not what happened. And now I'm mad. Um, but it, it's, I, I think, but, but I'll back to the, to the voice thing momentarily. And you were saying that you didn't think you have one. Yes, you do. Of course I do. But they're actually, baby Aaron, but, baby writer Aaron didn't know that. But there, but but there is a a usefulness in having a fairly generic voice, and what that is is when you write in a lot of other settings, like when you write, or if you're a comic writer and you have to like plug into an existing uh, existing mythos, or uh, if you're going to into a TV, um, you're going to be a part of a writer's room, and your story has to be unique, but tonally there should be no difference. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the other things, which that's something that I pride myself in, in the sense that, like, again, I do a lot of, like, freelance mercenary screenwriting. Like, that's the thing I, I have right now. And a lot of times what will happen is people, like, I got this idea. Maybe I have an outline. I don't know how to fully realize it. Here you go. Mm-hmm. And if I do my job right, you shouldn't know which yeah. parts are my parts and which parts are their parts. It should just feel like, uh, you know, a contiguous thing. Like uh, the first movie I had produced was a family film called Lena and Snowball, which I never would have expected, but there we are. Um, that is that is about a girl who finds a lion cub in the swamp in Louisiana and then hijinks ensue. Mm. And uh, it was funny because one of the things like the the – uh, I, I won't tell you anything about the the producers, but one of the thing, one of their original premises was she like the kids in school pick on her about this, like they think it's lame that she has a lion, and I'm like, have you met children? What do you mean it's lame that she's got a lion? What are you talking sure about? In the it. '90s, we were like, yo, girls got a sea lion. That's cool as shit. Yeah, man, like you got a Tamagotchi, whatever. Like sign me up. So the, in that particular thing, I spun it where they just didn't believe the lion was real, and then of course when they find out the lion's real, everybody thinks it's dope. Uh, but like little things like they had these uh she had to spend like a ton of time by herself so i gave the girl a dog i gave her a dog because now she has somebody to talk to there's someone to interact with because otherwise watching a kid sit in her room alone is not good television Mm -hmm. you know Um, skip that part exactly yeah (laughs) which uh but this is also one of those things where the mediums can help inspire you in the sense that in a yes. novel, a person absolutely can be in their room all along. Freaking Kafka's metamorphosis. I'm going to chill right? in my room and become a cockroach. <laughs> because because you can you can talk about that inner universe and what's going yeah. on in that person's head. Direct yeah. thought is the best part of writing novels. It is. It, it, that and, and you have an unlimited effects budget and infinite cinematography. Yes, that is all, all true. Yeah. 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 That's uh, all true. Um. Yeah. Although. Yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say I want it as an inspiration thing. Like insofar as like working in other people's world, other settings. Like one thing that I had to do a big shift on when I stopped writing Forgotten Realms novels and started doing my own stuff is that one thing I was that something I used a lot in Forgotten Realms novels is the idea that there are these immovable pillars. You can't say magic works a different way. You can't say Dragonborn or something else. You can't say no, they didn't build a pyramid this big this fast. It happened, right? You have to accept there are certain truths about the setting. And then you have to find the places between the pillars that you can fill in. 
Um, and when you are working on your own, there are no immovable pillars unless you decide they're immovable, mm-hmm. um, which feels was which is it was a little like swimming out into the ocean and realizing I can't touch the bottom anymore. Right. Oh, no. Like mm-hmm. what stays? But there is a certain amount that you have that power then to say, OK, what if this is not movable? What if this is exactly how this yeah. is going to work? And now I have to bounce off this. So if something comes up and this is a problem, the first thing I do is I say, OK, but that doesn't move. So yeah. how do I bounce off of it and and lock yourself in a little bit just for the purposes of exploring that space? So mm-hmm. like if you're already working on something and you're you're stalling out a little, you need some other kick like like t- play with that. Like what if this can't move, but this can? What if this yeah. can't move, but this can? Oh, and, yeah. and and feel out the space. You're actually kind of touching on something that I kind of have fun doing as an inspiration uh, exercise for just like writing ideas is watching or, uh, um, you know, engaging in something. And like, let, let's say, let's take the village, for instance, we, not, not the greatest pillar of storytelling, but you know, whatever it's, you know, it's about this weird ass village and there's monsters out in the forest. And then she goes out there and twist her. turns out monsters aren't monsters at all. And one of my favorite things Spoiler is Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Spoiler alert for like a 16-year-old movie. No, it's um, more like 25, but yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, fuck. Ow. Don't do that to me. I did, did, oh, now I'm going to look it up. Keep going. Oh, no, I hate you. Um, I have to but turn like, 40 this weekend. I don't need more of this. Uh, but you're still beautiful. <laughs> but the, the point is, like, I, I'll think about, like, okay, but what if that was true? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, take take something that was like, oh, no, th- this is actually how it was. And it's like, well, what if it wasn't? I, I, what if I, I like, is a classic. Right? Yeah. And, and I but I like specifically doing it about things like that. It's like, OK, well, if I was going to do something about a village that was surrounded by monsters, how would I do it? And then so like mm-hmm. just taking this thing that wasn't true for one story and making it true in this thought idea and seeing where you build from there. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Also, two thousand four. It's only seventeen years. Only it's only seventeen years. Only. only. It, yeah. it can only almost vote. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not yet. The village isn't legal yet. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't hate that movie. Some people were like yeah. really thought the reveal was like hokey and stuff. I didn't. I mean, yeah. again, it, it worked in context. Yeah. You know, I feel like I feel like one type of episode that we should do, and listeners, if you want to hear this, uh, let us know. Uh, is like just taking something and looking at it structurally, and just being like, "What worked here and what didn't?" <laughs> oh, I can tell you, I have thoughts. You know, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny you were t- you were talking about how like you'll start paying attention to the structure, and I was saying I I didn't. What what I know is I, I have a strong enough command of the major Hollywood structural conventions mm-hmm. that I know which one they're using in about the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then I'll every while I'll be like, oh, so that's the end of Act 1. Cool. Okay, that's the end of Act 2. That's the midpoint. The plot twist. You know, oh, all's lost. Here we are. This is rough. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that will kind of go off in the back of my mind, but not in a way that is distracting, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. You know, like, because I, I watch like a ton of martial arts movies, you know, and I can clock when it's the performer versus the stunt performer, oh, yeah, you know, and yeah. then I'm, but, but I'm like, but, you know, it's still dope, but yeah. okay. You know, that there was there was that thing there, you know? No, um, I, d- I definitely have the thing where I'm like in a movie theater. Well, not recently, but like I'll, I'll be watching a movie and just be like, oh, OK, foreshadowing. OK, cool, 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 cool. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. OK, that that's important for, for this plot that. The, OK, we're going to get there. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Chekhov's gun. There it is. You know, yeah. we t- took it out and laid it on the desk. There's you know, every the more you learn this, the more the less fun you are to watch movies with. Oh, I well, have to keep it inside though. Yeah, you have to keep. Yeah. What what I will do is I what what I will say is I'll be like I think I got it. I'll let you know if I'm right. 
You know what I mean? That, <laughs> yeah, that, that, yes. That's my thing. I'm like, oh, that's I, what I started doing. Yeah. I think I got it. I'm gonna let you know. Like knives out. I did not figure out knives out. I think I think one of the funniest ones that I ever did with that. I remember sitting in the theater watching freaking Avatar, and there's that part where like the, the you know the the main character is talking to the the angry sergeant as he's getting into his giant mech, and and I leaned over to my my wife and I just went. They're going to get into a fight. He's going to be the avatar. He's going to break that giant knife off and shove it through that canopy. <laughs> then like 40 minutes later. <laughs> More like two hours 40 for yeah, avatar. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Again, foreshadowing, you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know that that, but that's still a useful tool to let the audience know where you're going because, yeah, because uh, again, because then it's satisfying because even if they didn't consciously notice that, they're like it's in the back of their head, and then when it pays off, it's like, oh yes, it yeah. simultaneously has to be surprising yet inevitable. That's mm-hmm. that's 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 what you Just that's that. what you have that's to do. That's all this that's job it. is. Make that's it all. surprising, but make it inevitable. You know, actually- <laughs> a, 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 a film that did it fantastically though was the 2009 Star Trek. Mm, in in in, in the la- the the fire everything sequence, which on the off chance you haven't seen it, I mean, again, that's you know also twelve years ago, but you know, um, stop it. Uh, <laughs> you know, that 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 in sequence in in the, this the the wide shot in the ship and all the klaxons are going on and Spock is just stone faced, you know, and then pff, yeah, that's but that it's such it's such a cathartic experience for the mm-hmm. audience you know oh yeah and and when you don't get that when pardon my crassness you leave the audience with narrative blue balls that's <laughs> that's when they turn on you yep. you know yep um so uh any any last thoughts or, or things that you want to tie up on on inspiration before we if we end this one I can go anywhere <laughs> yeah, and 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 do keep track of your ideas because to what what both Aaron and oh, I yeah. both said, it's you know, any given thing may not be a premise, and I think people miss miss they they lose track of that where they're like, I want to tell a movie about uh, a girl that seems like a ditzy blonde but goes to law school. I'm like, yeah, but that's not the premise. That's not actually what the movie's about. You know? Yeah. Um. So you you keep those things, and like Aaron was saying, you can assemble them and bring parts of them in that might hook in later in a way that you never expected. Uh, it's all useful though, so write it down. Don't expect you to just remember it. Write, no, it, write down. it down. <laughs> I thought of yeah. another thing that I meant to say earlier that we were talking about. Uh, like I was talking about how like I have this like little burst of want, this like ooh that, um, and and the media was talking about figuring out what you need, and I think this is another important thing. Having mm. those wants is great. You need to make those wants into needs for the story, um, and that mm. sort of fit, ties into that idea of like you can't just keep tacking on ideas that don't knit into each other. Like if you're going to write a story where you know um, people do magic by talking to uh, worked materials that has to be important. It can't just be like a yeah. little, little like fringe on it. It needs to matter to that story. If you're going to do a story with like giant kaiju gods, they better matter to the story. Yes. Like um, the, another example that <laughs> Check I... Chekhov's kaiju gods. <laughs> <laughs> this is also kind of like, I mean, and, and even on a different level, like uh, I've said before, uh, the Brimstone Angels, the main character of Brimstone Angels is Farida, uh, Tiefling Warlock. And the very beginning of that character was in a D&D game I played. Um, and then when it came time to like, okay, we, you need to write this tiefling book. I liked the, I liked bits of her story and I was like, okay, how do I turn this into a novel? And there were a lot of things that I said, well, this isn't going to work and this isn't going to work and this would fit better because it's, um, it's more iconic for the, the tiefling race. 
But there was this one piece, which was that the character I had in the game had been raised by Dragonborn. And I thought that was really weird and interesting. And it emphasized the fact that tieflings could be from anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Because it, the the tieflings are people who are part, have like um, fiendish blood in them, but it's a thing that ar- can arise anywhere. So if you're a tiefling, you're not like this, not this pure culture in, in the setting. You could be from any place. And so even like in this case, you're adopted, but, mm-hmm. and, and the thing was, I wanted that. I wanted that. And so then it became, okay, how do I make this important? Well, I condense it down to one character. It's just her father. Um, and I make that that relationship a like a key point of it. And the reason she's adopted a key point of it. And that Dragonborn culture and the tension she has for being like, this is who I am, but I don't fit here, is going to be relevant at times. And so when you have that want... Like, that's not quite enough. Take that want, turn it into a need, and then mm. it will fit into your story better. I know I've never said this before, but George R. R. Martin's dead to me. <laughs> and part of the problem is that story is becoming so bloated with he yeah. just keeps adding things because he's trying to add to get himself over the wall where he should be subtracting. So, yeah. Lol, get over the, the wall. Um. Uh, uh, What's funny there is that, like, you know, I asked a little while ago, I was like, do you know, like, do you have a, if you need to get the ideas, do you know where to go for it? You're shaking your head like that. It sounds like, no, you just think really hard on it. And that, that works. Well, there's that, that, I guess. Like, if I have a partial idea, then I just, I do. I think hard on it. I go to my friend Susan and I start talking at her (laughs) and then I start putting things together. And if I ever hit a wall, she asks me questions and then it fixes. I have a really good system, but you can't have Susan. She's mine. Jokes jokes on you. We already got Susan on here. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. I know we're nearing the end of this episode and this is a greater conversation, but I want to ask while it's on my mind, how do you guys feel about like collaborative writing and co-writing? It's not my jam. It's not my jam. I can do it. It's not my thing. I haven't done it. Like I I, haven't had the chance to. I attempted it once. um, And I think the, the main thing is... I was supposed to co-write a story with Ed Greenwood. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that we had very, very different writing styles and it was okay. It also coincided with me um, getting pregnant and very sick. And so I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it could have, it could have been that it worked out. I think the main thing is like, you know, how much your process is your process and how much you can be flexible and how much your strengths uh, fill in their weaknesses and vice versa probably yeah. all fits together i i like it as an idea i really love um like the idea of epistolary novels like letters back and oh, forth oh god yeah like this is how <laughs> you use the time war by um max gladstone and uh amal Imalter. like it's that's really cool i mm. love that idea um, and I've never met anybody who's like, yes, let's do that. Who- I'm in. Let's do it. No, let's do it. Let's do, let's do one of those. I'm, I'm, and then yeah, the question we'll, is, do we'll our do styles three. mesh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, um, yeah s- simply put for me, again, I, I've i never done that. The, uh, we have now crossed the amount of – the this podcast now crossed the furthest amount of time I've gotten to talk to someone about writing. So, <laughs> so but no, like my, my – my, the one that I always think of for – of like – good of, of of it meshing is good omens with yeah. neil gaiman and terry pratchett like i know people who are like that was written by two people i'm like well one did you not look at the cover two mm-hmm. uh did you think they had a really long name uh <laughs> but it, it's because their styles 
flowed into each other so well but like if you read terry pratchett you know where pratchett's parts are if you read gaiman you know where gaiman's parts are but for you know if you just come into that without any of that it just flows as one story yeah Yeah. my my sense of collaboration in all things is the other collaborators need to bring something that i don't possess yeah um and that can be anything is up to and including just perspective, you know, but like, let's just work together to work together. I'm like, nah, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> However, yeah. epistolary letters. All right. I'm in. We can, we can. <laughs> we, 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 we should talk about this. Yeah. Talk yes. About this. Yeah. Um, I think the last thing that I'm going to say is um, for inspiration, I have found no greater inspiration ever than the times that I just daydream listening to music. And I, I found it to be some of the, best ways for me, for me again this is for me if it doesn't work for you don't work for you is That's the is tagline of this yeah yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> this is not an advice show this is just us talking about writing um it's it's that it's you know listening to music is what gets my brain moving and if i if it fits the tone of what i'm going for i can write faster i can come up with ideas faster through that so it's a suggestion of something to try um, but I, uh, I think that is going to wrap up this week's episode. Friends, where can people find you and what things you're working on? You can find me on Twitter at Aaron M. Evans. You can watch me on Mondays at 11 Pacific on, uh, twitch.tv slash CNE games with these two guys talking about the lore mm. of, uh, Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. You can catch me on Wednesdays at 630 on twitch.tv slash dungeon scrollers, where I play D and D with a bunch of other fantasy writers. Yeah. Be Dave Walters. I say words about things. You can find me all over the interwebs, wherever fine streaming content can be located. Uh, most importantly, I am the dungeon master of the Black Dice Society on D&D, Twitch, and YouTube's Thursday at 4 Pacific. Uh, the first, I won't, I don't know when you're going to hear this, so the first bunch of episodes are up uh, on VOD right now. And also we have the world's hunk, uh, hunkiest uh, podcast producer. <laughs> whoever could he be uh you can mm-hmm. find me on too many podcasts uh which you can find on my twitter account at the trevor there is an a hiding in there uh but thank you for listening uh if you enjoyed the show the best way to support is by leaving a review on your podcast service of choice don't know why it took me so long to get the podcast word up uh if you have any questions or topic suggestions you can send those into writing about dragons and shit at gmail.com and if you want to keep up to date on the show you can follow us on twitter at about dragons but until next week go write about some dragons and shit mm-hmm.